praise you, Jesus. You are the King of kings, and you are the President of presidents, and we rejoice, we rejoice, we rejoice because you are all sovereign. And there is nothing outside your control. And we rejoice because you are good and you intend good for your people. Lord, we pray that this morning, this day, you would meet us here and we would rejoice at your word because your word is good and your word is life. Lord, we need your life this morning. Speak to us so that we can be more and more the men and women of God you have created us to be because we trust your promises. Bless us this morning, Jesus, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. The HMS Dreadnought was the largest battleship ever created by 1906. The British Navy decided that large caliber artillery was the wave of the future because it could fire from long distances, long ranges with devastating effect. First Sea Lord Fisher believed that the enormous weaponry and the advances in both armament and propulsion would give the empire the decisive advantage over their nemesis, Germany. And the brilliantly named ship did not win the decisive victories they hoped. Neither can ships and guns win the warfare you experience day in and day out. You need more firepower than 10, 12-inch guns. You need the promises of God for you in Christ. Now this ship was named after the phrase, dread not, but fear the Lord. And the phrase is one of the echoes of the key truth in our passage today. We are commanded in Psalm 37, do not be afraid, but trust in the Lord. You had a tough week this week, eh? Kind of hard on your soul? You realize by now that all the guns and all the ships and all the world won't do you any good in this battle. Neither, by the way, will quick-witted memes from your side joining you in the fight help your heart at all. Ask yourself, what good did spending hours on Facebook do for your soul on Wednesday? What good did it do for you to fret and stew about things over which you have absolutely no control or responsibility? Reinhold Niebuhr warned us of the futility of worry about things we have no control over in 1924. He said, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, to have courage to change the things that I can, and to have wisdom to know the difference. 
in pointing out the folly of fretting and stewing over things you cannot control. Niebuhr was simply echoing Jesus. Jesus warned us 2,000 years ago, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Grace, don't fret and stew about things you cannot control. Pray to the personal Creator King who can do something about it. Let's face it. How many things can you change in Washington, D.C.? How many things can you change in Sacramento? How many things can you change in your own home? Ah, there's the battle. The battle is the one that happens in our hearts, and that's where we need to start. And guns and ships won't work. Instead, let's listen to what will work. Let's listen to King David's wisdom in Psalm 37. David says, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. Now listen, all 40 verses of Psalm 37 are worthy of you spending time meditating on. These eight verses that we're going to look at today are the good news. These eight verses are the promises and the commands that we are to trust and obey so that you, Christian, can live the joyful, God-pleasing, peaceful life that we want to live in in the face of difficult times and enemies. We want not to be afraid, but to trust in the Lord. Let's look at our passage, starting in verse 1. Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. No matter which side of the political aisle you sit, Evildoers, wrongdoers, join your sinful heart as well. The dumpster fire our culture endures burns out of control because we still worship donkeys and elephants instead of Jesus. This morning, we are being given the opportunity to turn our eyes on Jesus so that we will be able to hear this psalm rightly. David says, fret not yourselves because of evildoers. 
<laughs> but listen, what could be easier than worrying about what bad people are doing? Oh my goodness, they're just going to muck everything up. You should worry. The popular bumper sticker makes this clear. It says, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. But the Bible, and the Bible does command us to do something about the evil in the world. Jesus commands us to do what you can to love those near you. The Bible commands us, pursue justice. The Bible commands us, provide for widows and orphans. In James's letter, Edmund Burke adds to it and says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. All of that is true, but that is not the focus. That is not the point of Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, David emphasizes that you and I need firstly to focus on our own heart. Don't fret. Trust. Don't worry. Trust the Lord. Here, in Psalm 37, we are to focus on our internal reactions before we get to the other passages where we are commanded to deal with our external actions. Trust God now for your heart to be right. Then you will be able to work to help those who are near you to see right. To see right in action in your life. And here in Psalm 37, we are commanded not to fret, not to stew, not to worry. Why? Well, let David and I give you three solid reasons. First of all, Jesus is in control. In Revelation 19, verse 17, we are told forever and ever, Jesus is going to wear, written on his robes, King of kings and President of presidents. In Psalm 2, we see that Yahweh is not bothered by the kings of the earth plotting to overthrow his rule. God is in control. God is in control. You can write that out and put it on your alarm clock so that when you get up in the morning, you can be certain of it. And when you lie down at night, you can rest peacefully. Your God is in control over all this circus, even though we can't see it. And Christian. Your good Father is both willing and able to help you through this and every other crisis you will face. Christian, this world is a perfectly safe place for you to be in light of COVID, in light of politics, in light of cancer. You are safe and you are loved. Jesus is in control. That's the first reason. The second is that worry and envy are stupid. Listen, do you want to lose your happiness? 
then start worrying about things you can't control and start envying those near you. That is a death knell, death shot to any happiness you might have. Fretting about non-essentials and not trusting God to give you what you need is unwise. So David commands us. He says, be not envious of wrongdoers. They're winning. Whoever you think they are, they are always winning. We think they are always winning because we're envious of them. Wrongdoers lose in the end, however. And the psalmist of Psalm 73 answers his own envious question when he says, why do bad guys always seem to win? In Psalm, 38, in Psalm 73, verse 18, the psalmist writes, Truly you, Lord, set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. Oh, Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms, as something that doesn't even exist. But there is a third reason why we just need to recognize the folly of fretting. The end of those who war against the Lord is clear and it is coming. As sure as the seasons change, the end of those who fight against the Lord is coming. They will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Around here, in the winter, the hills green up a bit. But you know, it doesn't take long, once spring has passed, for the hills to turn brown. The chaparral all around us retreats in color and the mustard darkens. Our climate is similar to that of Israel. And David used this annual change to indicate what the end of those are who oppose God's rule. They will wither. They will disappear. As powerful as the enemy of your soul is, as powerful of whatever enemy you are looking at might be, if they are fighting against the Lord, they will fade. They will become as nothing. They will be nothing if they refuse now to bow the knee to the Lord and they will ultimately be cast upon the trash heap of history forever and ever. Instead of living by the bumper sticker, if you are not angry, you're not paying attention, let the wisdom of God prevail in your heart. Don't be afraid. Trust in the Lord. Grace. Grace, listen, my friends. Don't allow your heart to be worked into a dither on Facebook. Don't be afraid. Don't fret. Trust in the Lord. Your emotions will always reflect what you are focused on. So reflect on and focus on 
God and His Word. Go to Him frequently. Look at the promises and the passages that describe the goodness and the greatness of our sovereign and loving God. Go to my Facebook page and you will find several passages I listed this week if you, if you don't know where to go in God's Word. Call me or call another believer and find out where are these promises so that you can trust them, so that you will not be afraid, so that you will rejoice in the Lord. Because the secret to the Christian life, the one thing you must without a doubt do if you are to be a joyful, healthy, prosperous Christian who is not addicted to politics is to get into God's Word. Now David looks closely at what is included in this phrase, trust in the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend, befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. David says, trust in the Lord. The basic command is trust in the Lord. Everything else that we are saying tonight relates back to this trust in the Lord. So know the promises of God for you in Christ. Think about the promises of God for you in Christ. And apply the promises of God for you in Christ. What will that look like? Well, David tells us. He says, first of all, do good. First of all, do good, not evil. Don't sin against others. Not even in your mind. Don't wish or act to harm those who are near you. Don't sit there and think about, oh man, if this happens, that will happen. Don't plot evil against them. But, and, and more than that, don't simply avoid evil, but pursue others' good. Do good also means that you will look for ways to actively love them. To love someone is to be joyfully willing to sacrifice for the good of those near you. So sacrifice by not having to win every Facebook argument. Sacrifice by buying coffee or lunch for someone who needs to be encouraged. Sacrifice by serving and being kind to those who outwardly appear to be your enemy. If you are kind to those who are politically on the other side of the aisle, then even when they refuse to respect you, your Father in Heaven, who sees what you do in secret, will not fail to reward you openly on that day. David expands on his command to do good. He says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. To dwell in the land meant more to the Israelite than merely having an address in Israel. It meant to be a part of the community. It meant to be a part of the whole. The word shalom reflects this understanding of dwelling. Shalom means more than simply peace. It refers to a wholeness, a completeness that has to do with fulfilling the human purpose of honoring God and loving your neighbor. To dwell in the land as David envisions it 
means that you actively pursue the good of the community around you? What is it your near one needs so that they too can prosper? What must your community as a whole see in you so that they can trust in the Lord? Take your eyes off of Washington, D.C. and put them on your near ones where you can make a significant eternal impact and cause your heart to rejoice. Furthermore, delight in the Lord, befriend faithfulness. Faithfulness is more than just simply keeping your promises. Of course, it's not less. To befriend faithfulness, again, means that you pursue faithfulness to the Lord. Your attitudes and your actions reflect that God and His desires are more important to you than anything and everything, including your political party winning victories, including you getting a new toy. This is what the fear of the Lord is the fear of the Lord that the Bible refers to from beginning to end. It means this befriending faithfulness. It means putting your faithfulness to God and His commands as preeminent over everything. Listen, if you trust in the Lord, you will organize your life in such a way that you will actively pursue the good of those who live near you. You will live in such a way that Jesus can say of you that you are doing unto others what you would have them do unto you. And if you're actively pursuing this kind of life by grace, through faith, seeking the power of God the Spirit, you will also delight yourself in the Lord. How do I know this? It's because you delight in what you pay attention to. Two years ago, about this time, I was looking for a truck. Every single time I got on the road, I saw F-150s everywhere. Everybody but me had an F-150, and I was jealous. Why? Because that's what I was looking for. That's what I was paying attention to, and I was delighting in F-150s. Imagine. Imagine if all your free mental energy was invested in knowing God better and therefore loving Him and trusting Him more. You would be delighting in Him. He would be the one you're paying attention to, so you would be delighting in Him. You would be excited, not when you saw a Ford F-150, you would be excited as you saw Jesus. You would be excited that you got more insight into your King and Savior. We swim in an ocean of self-absorption. And the world notices. If we aren't self-absorbed, then we're strange. And if we keep going to the shore of God absorption, then we will be outcasts. We will be pushed out from polite company. And believe me, the time is coming very soon when we will be outcasts. It's already happening. 
Don't give them more reason to do this because you keep saying, yay for my favorite team in Washington, D.C. But Christian, grace, if we pursue those ends that naturally and supernaturally result in us delighting in God, then those vain things that charm us most will no longer charm us. Instead, we will have those things that truly delight. Why? Because David says he will give you the desires of your heart. When you are delighting in the Lord, when you are trusting in the Lord, when you are committing your way to the Lord, when you know and trust and apply the promises of God for you in Christ, He will give you the desires of your heart. A brand new Ford F-150? Well, probably not. But He will shape and mold and correct our desires. Imagine, imagine if our desires were shaped by the things that God wants to build into your life. Imagine your child desiring to please you and only asking for the things that would help them please you. Won't you be delighted to give it to them? Of course you will. And if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give gifts to those who call upon him? And what gift is it specifically that this passage is offering? That you won't be afraid. And that you will trust in him who truly satisfies. As you grow in your trust of Jesus as opposed to the world around you, you will find that your expectations of the world are lower. Lower in the sense that you will find that you are disappointed by the world less. And your expectations will be higher because you will find that your heart rejoices more because it's no longer dependent upon things that cannot satisfy you will find that you can weather the disappointments and fears that drag down so many into the dumps much more effectively. And you will find it easier to follow David's next commands in verses 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Here's where the rubber meets the road. David commands us, commit your way to the Lord. So ask yourself, are you going to follow Jesus or not? Are you going to obey his commands or not? Are you going to live like he is king of kings and president of presidents or not? Trust him and he will act. It's a command and a promise. Jesus is a person, therefore we can trust in what he says. And when we trust him in what he says, he will act accordingly. Now, the question is, what is it that he promises we can trust? Well, in this passage, David gives us an answer. He says, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. I have a question. 
How many of you have experienced on Facebook that your righteousness is brought out as the noonday because of political posts that you put on Facebook? Just asking the question answers it. Because defending yourself or your favorite politician or party will not cause those around you to see your righteousness. Your righteousness and justice is not magnified by cheering for a a team that your near one, whoever's reading you on Facebook, may or may not like. Pursue Jesus. Pursue God's word, even on Facebook then whether they like it or not, your near ones will see that you stand for something other than cheering for the sinful tendencies of your favorite team in Washington or Sacramento. And experience tells us that our righteousness shining is not yet universally true. We don't yet see the godly advancing in the world around us. We don't yet see the godly upheld as role models of how to live well. We don't yet see the godly as good people we should emulate. But the Lord's day will come. And it is this future aspect of the reward that demonstrates We live by faith, not by sight. The fact that God Day will one day rise up and fulfill His promise, the fact that He promises to make Christ's righteousness in you shine, and He promises that it will gloriously shine in the eyes of every man, woman, and child. It will gloriously shine so that all will acknowledge that God fulfills His promises. That day is not here. Not yet. And it is coming. This day remains future. And that means that we must still Now, we must still be patient. We must not be afraid. We must trust the Lord. Christian, Christian, your hope is not in politicians or in politics. Allow the cultural moment we are enduring to remind you that even so-called victories are hollow and short-term. Your job is not to fill your heart and your social media feed with politics. Your job is to fill your heart and your social media feed with reasons for rejoicing in the King of Kings and the President of Presidents. Your job, Christian, is not to put your hope in any man or woman. You will be bitterly disappointed. And you will hope that all you thought would come was in vain. Unless you delight yourself in the Lord so that He can give you the desires of your heart. And first and foremost, those desires in this passage will be freedom from fear and a hope, a confidence, a faith, a trust in the only one who can guarantee that He will come through on His promises. 
Trust in the Lord. And don't be afraid. That is what he tells us in verses 7 and 8. David writes, Be still before the Lord and wait. Wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It only tends to evil. Yes, there are people doing evil. We have seen it this week and we see it every day and we see it even in our hearts. But don't worry. Be still. Wait patiently. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Yes, they will win. Yes, they will have 401ks and they will have F-250s. They will have houses and vacations. They will have the applause of the world. But you seek and wait for the applause of heaven. It is coming. It is coming. David continues, Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. James echoed him. He said, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires. As I, as I am living longer, I am noticing that harshness is never the answer. Unless stopping a violent act, harshness is not what is needed. That woman who was shot and killed, as brutally sad as that is, she put her hope in a person who was not worthy of her hope. She was shot entering the U.S. Capitol building through a broken window. Now, I hope and I pray that the Christians near her family will reach out with grace and mercy and hope and they will supply her many needs that her family will have in her absence. That is what Christians do. We are filled with joyful willingness to sacrifice for our near ones in need. And that is what gives Christians hope and joy while we live in this sin-sick world. But hoping in sinful people is not. She would have done well to listen to this Psalm of David when David said, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Your worrying about anything will only lead to stomach ulcers and a shorter, less happy life. Fretting yourself only leads to poor decisions that will not make you or anyone else happy. Don't do it. Don't be afraid, but trust in the Lord. Once again, you may be rejoicing at a temporary victory of one fallen group of people taking over from another fallen group of people as they rule this nation fine. 
but it will happen. Fear that they will lose or win or lose or win will not help your heart rejoice. Instead, put your hope in delighting in the Lord so that He will give you the desires of your heart, not in electoral wins, but in a peace that surpasses understanding and that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Make that your goal, and you will not be afraid, but you will trust in the Lord. Oh God, we are living in tumultuous times, and we ask that you would come quickly. And while we wait, we ask that you would empower us, that you would strengthen us, that you would equip us to put our hope in your word so that we will not be afraid, but we will trust in you. Bless us, Jesus, so that we will be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.